Welcome to the His and Hers Playlist Podcast. Here's your host. Welcome back, everybody, to the His and Hers Playlist Podcast. I'm Luke Fisher. I'm Sarah Marquis. I hope everybody's doing good out there. So we are now three episodes. This is our third episode into the season two of the His and Hers Rebooted Playlist Podcast. We hope everybody's good out there. So the last one we did was we talked about Ethel Kane and her amazing gothic masterpiece. Yes, Mother Kane. Shout out to you. Oh my God, she's amazing. I've been listening to it more and more since we had our last recording and it is so good. It's so good. It's just one of those records that just grows on you. The more and more you listen to it, I know. it is such an American epic. I know. I hope so everyone good. else has been enjoying it and, you know... Are you okay? I hope so. Let us know. DM us and tell us if you're okay. It's definitely some heavier topics on that one for sure. But we're going to talk about an artist that is also kind of controversial, sadly. Um, He was a very influential songwriter on my childhood and on my musical journey and experience. His name is Ryan Adams. Yes, Ryan Adams, formerly of Whiskey Town, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, and Ryan Adams himself. Yes, Mr. Adams, you're up to the plate. Spotlight (laughs) on Mr. Adams. If people don't know who Ryan Adams is, Ryan Adams is a American singer-songwriter An amazing songwriter, a little problematic dude. If you want to look up why he's problematic, we're not going to go into that on this podcast, but you can look that up. So separate the art from the artist. But I wanted to talk about one of the most influential records on me, and that is his album Heartbreaker. So you know this album, right, Sarah? I know it briefly. I will say I'm probably not a good audiophile. I didn't listen to a lot of Ryan Adams, but Mm. I had heard of this album. And, you know, I loved artists like Jeff Buckley and Elliot Smith. And I hear so much of them through his music. So listening to this album, even as someone that wasn't as knowledgeable of him before, I knew the epic of him. I knew the mythos and the influence and the producing, Mm. recording, songwriting, all of that. So it was really lovely to hear this. I believe it's his debut album, right? Yeah, it was his debut solo record. So he little backstory on him, he was with Whiskey Town and then Whiskey Town sort of broke up and he moved to Nashville where he was sort of session working and doing things like that and wrote this record and recorded it in Nashville at the Woodlands studio, which is amazing. And this record sort of sparked his whole career, right? It was the song, the debut or the opening song is in Old School, which sort of launched his career, the Will Ferrell movie. To Be Young was also in the movie Accepted in 2002. But yeah, in 2000 was when the album was released. Top to bottom for me, it's just one of those records that it's 
just amazing. It, it was so I was a punk kid when I grew up. I listened to so much punk music and did sort of that aspect of my life was just like about angst and energy. And you know, if you, if people don't know out there, I am a pretty energetic person and enthusiastic person. And this was finally like a record that could break me out and make me understand musicianship and understand what all being a musician and being an artist in the world meant. And you could still have the energy with like, you know, to be young off the first. I mean, what an amazing first song. Mm -hmm. Just hit it really fast you know and for a 15 year old kid who smoked weed all the time it was like to hear like when you get young you get sad when you're young you get sad and you get high which is like yeah man i i get that for sure yeah i mean i will say this album in particular feels very personal it almost feels mm. like like a love note that i'm not meant to read but that I get totally. the pleasure of reading. It feels that you found it like a thrift yeah. store when you bought like, like the, the old frame mm -hmm, or something. Like the, in the pages of a like a crusty book that's falling apart. That like you know has a dedication to somebody that I have no idea, and it's 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 really really intimate and really beautiful, and that's why it kind of strikes me as you know those early on because when was this album made again what what year 2000 2000 yeah so you have i hear so much influence of the 90s songwriters you know jeff buckley mm, elliot smith yeah. that kind of thing in here and i feel so private <laughs> my nosiness is peaking right yeah. now <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that feeling of it. I, I would totally agree. I always feel like it's the record that you heard someone writing through your hotel wall. Mm -hmm, totally. Where they, you know, where it was so good, you don't actually want them to quiet down. Mm -hmm, so you yeah. never actually like knock on the wood. That's what I think Ryan Adams always did so well. Like, I mean, there's a line in Amy where he's like, you know, as a man, I've never been much for cloudy days. I'm as calm as a fruit stand in New York and maybe as strange and i it's beautiful you know it's like everyone's feels like they've stood out like a fruit stand in new york like in at a party or something i love lines and writing music that it can be ambiguous enough to where it's like oh everybody can relate but also so personal yeah and so like unique to the certain situation that you can almost feel like like we talked about with Ethel, like that inside joke mm -hmm. you know like that yeah. you and him share yeah there's there's a certain relatability to specificity, especially in songwriting, you know, like that's why oh, 100%. that's why we, you know, talked last week about how all of these, I don't know, like the specificity of like triggering a memory. It doesn't have to be the exact one. But yeah, I agree. Everyone knows. But think about what a fruit stand in the middle of New York City looks like. It's not calm. Yeah, it's not. It's no, probably, no. you know, there's a lot of people not passing by. There's someone overlooking the fruit stand that is trying to get people to get it, mm -hmm. you know, to eat it. Yeah. Um, it's probably delicious, but everyone is <laughs> ready to get their coffee and bagel. Oh, yeah. Rather than get out of there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something very connective about specificity. And even if it's contextually yours. There's always something mm. to pull from that. 
Oh, I 100% agree. I, I, I love that, like, in our last album, we talked about this American Gothic, right? This huge record that is, you know, big and, and long songs, seven to nine minute songs. As a punk rocker kid, I love to try to tell a story in two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. If, if you can, and, and give that same emotion writing a song, and Heartbreaker is a master class in writing a heartfelt, interesting, conflicted, you know, serious, sad, happy, whatever song in five minutes or less. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to the dynamic of emotions. It also, you know, like speaks to the energy at which he's producing. You know, if you compare episode one, where we're looking at Ethel Kane's album, it's really long. It's really heavy. It's like a really hot summer day in in the south sweaty moving slow heavy-footed whereas ryan adams album you know heartbreaker is is it's not necessarily fast but it is it's explosive in its own way it has high highs and low lows and it moves through those quickly and i think if he's especially referencing cities like new york or you know big songwriting cities like nashville or austin or even la you know you could experience 16 emotions within a three-hour period in those in those cities and i think that's kind of if it makes sense i feel like that's kind of the place that he's writing from or that's the landscape i hear this album in yeah i could totally see that and i also feel like it's it's his sort of fish out of water album Mm -hmm. you can really tell that he's a small town kid moving to nashville moving to a bigger city and dealing with what is me being vulnerable? What is me missing my home? I mean, like, oh, my sweet Carolina is just missing home. That was my favorite by far off of this album. I just have, yeah, I just have like three exclamation points right next to it on that. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's I mean, stunning. To, to the line at the end of the last uh, verse is it's like, is that a sunset or is that just my light bulb burning out? Mm-hmm. Oh, Dude, that you can you can see everything, right? Like you can see the room, you can see him sad, you can see him in New York, you can see it like, you know, up here in the city it feels like things are closing in. Everyone feels that, you know? There's Absolutely. I heard a amazing interview with Phil Collins, Phil Collins, Phil Collins and they both talked about how they've wanted to write, you know, Edgar Allan Poe or like, you know, they want to write these amazingly lyrical, eloquent things, but the best lines they ever wrote were the hey I want to see you later you look beautiful tonight yeah. you know like whatever it is makes that simple chord you know it's like I in my life I've sold my soul to a simple chord so long ago I, I think it's just beautiful when you can make just simple things sound so poignant and so emotional yeah I mean it's it sounds I it sounds so present you know, and I mean that in the way that it it's it's hard to ignore this album. It's very hard to ignore. He's he's leaving himself open, bleeding at the hands of kind of like your mercy to like consume this with tenderness. It's simple, but it's important. And I think the I think the simplicity of it allows the listener to be as present as they possibly can in it, you know, because sometimes you can have really complex things. You can have, you know, amazing structure and atonality and all of that. But, you know, 
the simple line of you look wonderful tonight is something that most people want to hear. Yeah. And most people have wanted to hear. And I and don't hear and don't enough. hear enough. You know, there's I think there's so many people out in the world who don't get enough love. No, and don't hear that. That's why music appeals to so many people because you're lonely. Well, and so many people that want to give that kind of love, but either a don't know how or b are so scared to. Yeah, deep. I think we are as more, if not, I think we are as, if not more, removed from the expression of vulnerability mm. than we ever have. And I'm not to, I'm not saying that because I don't believe in the power of vulnerability through, yeah. you know, connection and and developing community. I mean that in the way that even now, you know, like being truly vulnerable feels like pandering through social media or through the internet you know it's it's different interpersonally but i mean we even our our friendship our relationship is through online it's it's digital and um there's something that's so present about this album makes me feel like i'm sitting in a shithole black box in nashville listening to this dude just like play on his guitar and not know him or you know he creeps in through the side door and that's that's really special especially now and then you know him you know it's Mm -hmm. like you see this weird creepy dude come into the black box you don't know who he is and then by the first four lines of a song you feel like you've you've known him your entire life. Mm -hmm. That's like the craziest thing about this album for me is it's seeing your best friend from high school on your 20th high school anniversary where you haven't seen him in 20 years, but it's like you guys left school that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, know, I want to jump back to something that you you said, though, just because I think it's so powerful is having vulnerability co-opted it's almost like vulnerability is a selling point now mm-hmm. with social media and with things like that where it's being vulnerable isn't what it was before oh you're just faking being vulnerable that's what it feels like it feels like pandering it's sad to me that we live in a world where it's almost like we are so skeptical of everything and i think it this is happens and we let's not get too political but since 2016 no one's believed anything that's where it turned weird to me like around like the middle of the 2015s or the 2000 the teens is we just started i don't believe anything like if i see someone cry on the internet or if i see someone be vulnerable or if i see something like that oh what are you trying to sell me like oh what why are you being vulnerable there's no well we're getting and i think that's so sad well, yeah, because we're we're getting two different messages constantly, right? We're getting believe, you know, like, here I am, here I am, this is reality, this is the truth, which I, I think it is. I think it requires a, pushing through a lot of cognitive dissonance, and I think it takes a lot of unlearning on a personal level, especially with the topics that are we exist in right now but we're also being told at the same time like that is this isn't true this isn't true this isn't true like regardless of what side of whatever aisle it feels like everything has a motive and everything is a means to an end and it's unfortunate because there's 
there's so much, there's a ev- never-ending opportunity to develop mutual respect, care, and community through whatever values you hold, you know, especially the good ones, especially the ones that, you know, consider human rights and all of that. Uh, but, you know, it's it's hard. So I think, you know, having having something that kind of pulls you back and allows you to rest while at the same time is easily believable is is really cool and really fun to hear. It's also it also there's an album by an artist, Blake Mills. I don't know if you've heard of him. OK, yeah, I've, I've heard the name. He's a big like producer engineer out in L.A. Okay. He's produced quite a bit, but he does a couple of solo projects, feels very honest and vulnerable within his own songwriting. I think as a means Mm. to an end of like the soundscape that he uses, this album is called Hey Ho. um, Okay, nice. Or Hi Ho. I don't know how he pronounces it, but I'll say Hi Ho. Um, And yeah, I think this album, especially Ryan's, it gives me traditional folk with a favor for Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. You know, he like breaks down all, you know, those sound walls of like the big 70s and 80s and 90s rock bands. He takes those walls down and it's just like him in an open field. Yeah, I could see You know, so you feel the echoes of that, of that, of that bigness, of that largeness, of that emotionality. But it's just a man and a guitar in a shitty dive bar singing songs yeah, totally. out of a notebook you know yeah with you know with his guitar case open ready to yeah. take your tips yeah i 100 I, I think i think you're totally right i think this album one one of the greatest draws about it is it's timeless this album could come out in 1971 absolutely could have come out in 1995 could have come out in 2000 could have come out now and it and it fits all the times of what it needs to because it's recorded right you know i think like the thing we run into as audiophiles and music lovers and music nerds is that when you record things correctly and when you do it in the right way and you take time, energy, and effort to make the songs that you are making and make the art that you are making, it's timeless. You know, I saw that Rick Rubin thing recently where he's like, make art for you. Make art that you like because if you don't like it, then no one's going to like it. You know, one of my mentors always told me to to like love the work, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's only 5% of people who who get paid, who get lauded for this thing that we love to do. We'll make a living, a career, but we won't make Britney Spears money. But you love it because it's honest. And when you do it right and when you do it with love and passion and creativity, it always comes out the better. And it can come out to be such a timeless record. The producing of it all. I mean, Call Me On Your Way Back Home is such a love letter. You know, Damn Sam Mm -hmm. is just like what you're talking about is the Bruce Springsteen in Nebraska in a a barn, you know. To Be The One is like the sad guy who who broke up. Every song where you go down the list is, like you said, it's written on a napkin in a a diner that someone left on accident. You're like, wow, I feel like I know this person who wrote this amazing poem or song or whatever it is but they left and they're out of my life and Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You might not even know anything about them. There's that familiarity, that drive almost to want to know the person who's singing in this. It's like you want to comfort him just as much as he's comforting you. Yeah. Which I think is just so interesting. Absolutely. It's 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 unpretentiously impressive. It's like Yeah, that's great. And, way to say it. and maybe, you know, I don't know too much about Ryan Adams um moving forward, but as this being his his debut album, it it feels like it was almost like an accident, you know, like it it it, it was accidentally on purpose that he just kind of had these written down and it it's so like lyrically and like rhythmically effective that it's all sort of seamless like it all you know it feels soundscapey it it feels like it's all one big song but just kind of like like you could listen to this and this could be an internal monologue of someone sitting in their basement you know smoking a J like with a glass of whiskey you're just staring into whatever realm your head's at you know it it feels uh, passive and present all at the same time Oh, that's a beautiful way. Oh, God, that's so cool. It's a beautiful way to describe it because I totally feel the same way. I, I feel like this record is so much more of, yeah, it's the it's the postcard from nowhere. It's the, it's the restaurant at the end of the universe. It's the lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those things that if, he, if the engineer didn't hit record, it would have never existed. Leonard Cohen has this amazing line where he says, the hardest thing about songwriting is that moment of letting the magic get from your head to the paper. It always seems to lose right before the pen gets to the paper. It's like the ones that actually get on the paper are timeless and perfect and beautiful, and they capture that magic. And with Heartbreaker, it, like you said, it was an accident. It's almost like the album was so good that everybody in the studio was sitting around like, is this happening? Like, it's just like a one guy and a guitar, but it's so good. Like, is this is this happening? And that's what it feels like, the power of music. The reason we love it is, is this happening? happening moments those tingling those feelings of like oh shit this is actually happening which is amazing i mean it's so interesting like going back to a track that you mentioned call me on your way back home i love i love that record and it again going back to what we said before uh drawing on the intimacy and presence of this album i mean who i think everybody could relate to the fact that they want somebody to let them know when they're home safe Right. Totally. Like 100%. it's the, the yearning and the uncertainty yeah. and the pining of that and, and the hopefulness. There's a hopefulness yes. in this album as well as a loneliness. Yes. And the fact that those two feelings can coexist sonically, it's only an envisioning of, of the, like the human condition, especially a human like him that had just moved from a smaller town in North Carolina yeah. to a big city. Like you're yeah, raw really. and you're in, you know, you don't know where you stand and you don't mm. even know how to get on the right train to go home after <laughs> a gig that you're not paid for, that you probably had to pay for because you couldn't comp the tickets. You know? Yeah, completely, completely. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, that's perfect. I don't think I could say it any better. I think yeah. it's it's a love letter. It's a postcard lost. It's it's all those things. I think that's so beautiful. God, I love talking music with you, Sarah. It's always so fun. I know. 
Love it. I'm so glad I get to do this. So thank you guys again. That's Ryan Adams' Heartbreaker debut album. Came out in 2000 on PAX A&M Records. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Luke Fisher. I am Sarah Marquis. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Please go find us on all social medias. I'm Luke William on Facebook and Fleo Fisher on Instagram. Sarah? I am Sarah Sita, three A's, S-A-R-A-S-I-T-A-A-A. And I haven't checked my Facebook in a few years. So I'll be on that and plug that when I can. I know. I just got back on it like <laughs> last week. So we'll see you soon. Have a good one.